You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's good. Well, today. Morning, Richard. Yeah, uh, things are uh, great here, high atop the Blue Ridge. Frosty Dr. Pepper in hand, and ready to go. What you been right. into this week? Working on the Triumph. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, we we finished uh, the sixth issue of Crankshaft Magazine, and we uploaded the files yesterday afternoon to the printer. Our printer is based in Missouri, not China, and we try to have everything printed here. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be going through the final proofing uh, on Monday, and then it should be on the press by uh, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. So that's fabulous. And uh, in between, you know, while you're waiting for, you know, files to come through, I go out to the garage to the media blast cabinet, and I I blasted another TR3 wheel yesterday. I got some new media abrasive, which helps. You know, it changed the nozzles in the uh, blasting gun and the gaskets, so that helped. I turned up the pressure a bit. So uh, it still takes like an hour to do one wheel, you know. It really does take a while, but uh, we're getting there. We really are. Slowly, but we're getting there. Uh, how's things at your end with the, with the car hobby? Well, so I did work, I did have some time to squeeze in a little excess, uh, work on the 73, uh, AMC Ambassador that I accidentally purchased a few weeks back. Um, it was, uh, one of those that you, really have to work hard to get onto the trailer and pick up. The rear drums were locked to the shoes. Uh, of course, that just comes from moisture and sweating. It was in a garage. Right. It wasn't outside either. Um, you know, and that's something that you know, most people don't think of. You think of, well, you know, your car's in the garage. It's dry. No worries. But... Uh, you know, when temperature changes occur, concrete, it, it sweats, or there's condensation that occurs. Right. And uh, particularly on metal, like these drums, the repeated exposure to condensation, uh, it just caused the uh, drums to weld themselves to the shoes. It took me about mm, an hour, hour or so to get the one side off and then probably about 40 minutes to get the other side off I I developed a better technique for for getting it off Um, I decided that the first thing that you do is pull the brake nails through the back side of the uh, um, backing plate and cut them off and when you do that it allows the shoes to move around a bit more and then you sure. just go around the outside of the drum and you know, 
not too hard, but just with the right amount of force, smack it all the way around to set up some vibration to loosen uh, the rust a bit and kind of loosen the bond between the shoes and the and the drum. And then you you know go about using a small pry bar, being careful not to damage anything, and uh, just kind of work your way around and. Uh, second time I also uh, decided that I would loosen the remove the brake hose and loosen the wheel cylinder as well so that you know allowed everything to pull forward a little bit more it just allows more movement when you're trying to uh, pull the drum off it allows more movement of the components that are sort of hidden behind there um, so yeah good a lot of work but hey I got all my parts in I got the drums turned, and she's all ready to go back together. So, fantastic! Hopefully, that will happen. You drive it, yeah. Drive it, enjoy it for the summer. Then you figure out what you want to do with it. That's that's great. Yeah, yeah bring bring it down to Knoxville. Got the AMC National Meet coming up this summer. So that would fit in perfect. I was. I was planning on us, uh, you know, planning on driving it by, picking you up, and stopping by the Waffle House. Beautiful. It's right down the block. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. They they heard you talking about Waffle House so much, they built one just right around the corner. You can walk there. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, dog. Uh, Yeah. Well, the better weather's here, and everybody's getting their cars out. I see it on Facebook and all the different groups. So uh, we can finally have fun again. And uh, so looking forward to a good summer. Yeah. So next week, uh, next starting on Friday, uh, it's the beginning of the Greenbrier Concourse in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, at the Greenbrier um, Hotel there. And... Uh, we're both going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Hopefully the weather holds out. We've been in sort of a, a weekend rain cycle here for the last several weeks. So hopefully that breaks and we have good weather all next weekend. But that's going to be a great show. It's going to be a, a driving tour um, through West Virginia on Friday. And then Saturday we're going to have the cars and coffee and some seminars and then Friday uh, I mean Sunday excuse me Sunday is the big show so and it's free what other concours in this country is free I think it's the only one I think it is too. I think it is yeah and so hard to beat being at the Greenbrier and uh, it's easy to get to too it's not like you'd have to park and walk a mile you can park and they have shuttles running regularly to pick people up so um, it's really easy. Yeah, and the shuttle's only like maybe a quarter mile short ride. So, uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful setting. So come on out, folks. We'll be there. Love to see you. And it's free. <laughs> Love and free it's shows. free. Yeah, free parking, free admission. Hey, and you can stop by the crankshaft booth there for free. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully hopefully tomorrow, if the weather holds, I'm going to go up to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, 
It's only about 20 miles from here. And that's the start of the AFDA, uh, one of their founders' tours or something like that. They're touring all over eastern Tennessee in the coming days, next week. So uh, that kicks off tomorrow in Oak Ridge. I, I think it's at the Hilton. So I'll be trying to stop by there and say hello to everybody. Well, good. I'm sure they'll be happy to see you. Yeah. The, uh, as, a, as opposed you know? to the rest of us. Pause, pause, they don't know pause. you. Yet. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of AACA, um, fast forward just another what? Just one more week, uh, May 18 and through the 20th, uh, the Eastern Spring Nationals are going to be in Gettysburg. They're uh, right there off of uh, Route 15. There's that. Uh, Two hotel, large two hotel complex. It's a great location, and perfect thus far. Yeah, I think thus far um, there are going to be close to five hundred cars there. So really, it looks like re- registration is coming along really, really well. Um, yeah, not not an anomaly for. An Eastern PA show uh, with AACA. Uh, they really load it, load the cars in, because of course, you know, you've got a draw there from a lot of really major cities. And on top of that, Pennsylvania's car collecting country. Uh, yep, going to be good. Yep. I'll be there. I, I hope you know. There's a guy there who shows up there fairly regularly, and I'd I'd love to have this car. But the guy shows up regularly there with a 40 Willys coupe, all stock. I've seen that him. He re- yeah. yeah. He restored that car, I don't know, gosh, 30-some-odd years ago. And it is still as crisp and pristine as the day he restored it. That's how well this guy's maintained his restoration. And it's amazing. I mean, how many Willie's Coops do you see in stock configuration? They've all been turned into gassers and rods and so on and so forth. No. Uh, he was all Saratoga, New York, a few years ago. And uh, I was talking to him about the car. I would love to do a feature on that for Crankshaft Magazine. Like you said, you just don't see stuff coops like that and it's absolutely fabulous condition so uh yeah there's gonna be a lot of great cars there looking forward to it and uh again come on out folks in gettysburg and it's free no charge easy parking restaurants all over the place so come on out yeah it's going to going to be a really good time um also too um coming up and see the week after Gettysburg in Luray, Virginia, uh, is going to be the Mid-Atlantic Pre-War Swap Meet. Um, lots of early stuff, uh, brass cars, Model Ts, Model As, all that sort of stuff. They have a heck of a flea market there. Um, and you know, last year uh, one of the organizers uh, came on. And we hosted him on the show for a short period of time and maybe we can squeeze him in again before that 
before that comes about, but uh, that's another cool event to go to. Yeah, I've heard about it through the years on some of the Facebook groups, and uh, people really have a good time. It's like the Chickasha of the East, I guess you could call it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that's the one in Oklahoma or pre-war. So this is like the same thing, but in the East. So, uh, And it's a good central location from the, you know, people in the New York area to come down, Pittsburgh, come on down, and people in the South to come on up. So uh, it's a good location. Yeah, and it's beautiful up in the Shenandoah Valley this uh, time of the year. Springtime in the Shenandoah Valley is really beautiful just simply because everything's so lush and green. It's just gorgeous, and there's a lot to do. Uh, whether you're interested in, you know, the Civil War battlefields uh, up in Newmarket, or you want to go through Luray Caverns, and Luray Caverns also has the classic car caravan collection. They have a classic car collection up there, well, classic and antique car collection that uh, has been up there since the fifties. And there's some really, really neat cars in that collection, too. So you can go in and see Luray Caverns, go check out the swap meet, and uh, check out the uh, classic car caravan, as they call it, their collection there. So, yeah, cool time for everybody. Well, we're getting ready to go, getting ready to go on a break, folks. We'll be right back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Howdy. We're back. Um... You and I were talking, as we are prone to do during the week, and we're talking about, uh, you know, things that inspired us to be involved in the car hobby, things that inspired you to uh, end up getting into the writing end of things and so on and so forth, uh, you know, magazines, books, those things that just 
kind of kicked it all off for us and put us into high gear when it came to all things automotive. What what was your first? What what really did it for you and and kind of kept that going for you? Well, I mean, uh, I got into cars since I was like two years old. You know, I I lived on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn, and just as his name implies, Parkway, there was eight lanes of traffic in front of our house. And Ocean Parkway was, was modeled after a fancy boulevard in France. So it has trees, it had benches, absolutely beautiful. So we lived on Ocean Parkway, and I, I used to sit on my stoop and yeah. see all the cars go. Yeah, sit on the stoop, you know, top stoop. Top step of the stoop. <laughs> so, you know, watch all the cars go constantly. So it was like, wow, and I got into cars, and then I got older. I, I started buying magazines like Hot Rod and Car Craft and, you know, all those, you, you know. You save up some money, and for sixty cents, you go out and buy the latest, you know, car craft or things like that. And then uh, I think it was like around seventy-three. I subscribed to Auto Week. That was when Auto Week was a it was newsprint, you know. And uh, every week, something <laughs> was like, "Wow, this is just awesome!" Reading about racing and cars, and reading the ads in the back, and before you know it, I said, "Okay." Uh, I want to subscribe to Road and Track, and then which I love. Road and Track was my favorite of, of all the magazines. You know, you had John Bond and all those. You know, Henry Manny the Third writing about Formula One. It was just, it just, it, it engaged you and it just sucked you in. And then later on, you know, it was like, uh, oof, uh, I couldn't find a magazine that I really liked. But one day, it was December of '75. I was in the uh, Grand Central in Manhattan. They got a newsstand there called Hudson News. And I walked in, I saw a copy of Classic and Thoroughbred, no, Thoroughbred and Classic Cars magazine from England. And they had a 166 Ferrari on the cover, and I bought that on the subway home back to Brooklyn. I was reading it, and boom, I was hit. Old cars, that's all I was interested in from that point on, in December of 75 to today. And then later on, it was like, you know, there's a lot of crappy magazines being produced in this country for crappy layouts and just big graphics and you know a lot of slang words which I don't like you know uh, it's not a long roof a station wagon you know things like that uh, you don't squirt on the paint you spray it on so uh, I said you know one of these days I wanted to start my own magazine and that's how I ended up with Crankshaft and you know just reading car magazines through the years is just it, 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 it's like a magnet. It, it just attaches to you, you know? And uh, that's why I ended up reading a lot of British magazines, because I, I think that they're produced a lot better than the American magazines. And plus, a lot of American magazines are now out, you know? So many of them went out of business. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's what got me going, sitting on my stoop in Brooklyn. <laughs> the stoop. A long time. So, so, yeah. so when, we, when we go up there... Um, you know, I want to make sure that you, you know, take me on a pilgrimage to the stoop where all this happens. Well, so that we can that photograph it, long, you know. Yeah, that that stoop is long gone. We lived on Ocean Parkway, and uh, uh, the stoop they, is they, gone. I, that we lived that, that we lived in one of the houses, and they put up an apartment house. 
And uh, a few doors down was, from us was where Tonto lived. <laughs> Tonto from the Pong Ranger. <laughs> right. And he lived there. And right around the block from us was the bank robbery that was on Dog Day afternoon with Al Pacino. That was on the other oh, side yeah. of us. Yeah, we had an exciting life. There was always something going on. <laughs> it was great. Oh, my goodness. Too bad. Too bad you didn't save a piece of the stoop for posterity. You should have chiseled off a corner or something. So how, how what got you into the uh, interest of automobiles? You know, because you're out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia with his, you know, Blue Jays and Red Robins, and that's it. You guys didn't have any. Yeah. No. You know, originally, I'm from, uh, from the coast. I've only been up in the mountains here for the last 30 some odd years but I grew up on the coast uh, you know and I think I've related this story before but I was always fascinated by anything that ran you know anything that caught, created and caused motion um, whether it was were those little friction cars uh, that you used to buy for 25 cents <laughs> or you know actual cars even lawnmowers and things of that nature, um, you know, I, I was always fascinated by it. And my parents took their cars to a guy, neighborhood guy, down the road, um, who did all their automotive repairs, a guy by the name of Sidney Lowe. And he had a little brick building. In fact, his son's still operating out of that same brick building. Uh, Lowe's Auto Service, and when Mom would take me in there, because, but you know, Dad was already at work most of the time, you know, he was up and out at 4.30 in the morning every day, and uh, so we'd go by Lowe's, Mom would take the car in, and Sydney and the guys, they treated me like royalty. Uh it was amazing. Every time I went in there, it was like a big celebration that I was there. Not so much different when I come to visit you. I know you celebrate when I stop by, too, but, you know, anyhow. So, <laughs> you know, there I am, four years old, ambling around in their shop. You know, of course, these days everybody would have a conniption pit if that were to happen. Uh, just because of the exposure risk. But, you know, they'd even let me wander down into the pit. <clears throat> you know, there was a guy there, worked there, uh, named Albert. And I thought Albert was the greatest. And I would, you know, roll down in there and uh, hang out with Albert, too. Um, so a lot of fun going in and out of there. Um, heard something in the background. You still, still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, any... They have... You could buy car magazines in Virginia? They have, like, a candy store? Okay. Well, we had something called the Junior Market. Um, So, I could walk over to the Junior Market with my pennies that I had uh, put together from doing various chores around the house, and I could pick up uh, Mechanics Illustrated. And I don't know why, as a kid, I was into Mechanics Illustrated. Not a lot of great pictures. It's more, you know, hard stuff in there. But it was neat stuff. And uh, Uncle Tom McAhill 
you remember <laughs> Uncle Tom? Sure. Uh, I, well, I just sort of naturally identified with Uncle Tom because it was, you know, I was Tom. So uh, Uncle Tom McCahill, and I used to, uh, not that I knew everything that he was talking about, but I, I would read through as best I could what was going on there. I liked seeing what was in there, looking at all the cars, and then there would be tools and everything else. And it was just basically, for me, it was a mirror image of, of what I saw when I was down at Lowe's uh, Auto Repair, hanging out there with those guys while they were working on Mom's car. And uh, so I got a little bit older. I started working on lawnmowers when I was eight. And... Uh, taught myself how to repair those things and then so by the time I was nine ten I was selling them on Saturdays a couple blocks over took that money and bought other stuff um, my first memories of antique car magazines cars and parts was my oh, first sure. subscription yep. uh, that was a great great magazine uh and then Old Cars Weekly, um, when Chet Krause was publishing. And that was great because it came every week. I was all excited yeah, like, because I knew it was there every week. Right. Um, I joined AACA when I was 13. Then I started getting that magazine. So, I mean, I really felt like I was really grown up. Here I was. You know, getting all this mail and, you know, all these magazines and, I don't know, reading reading articles by pe- people like uh, Minnow Dirksen and, and others. Uh, first book I bought was Hudson, the Post-War Years by uh, Langworth. Um, great writer. Uh, love that book. And it just sort of kept kept going from there. Um, then in the, you know, when I was in my 20s, they had the cash for clunkers situation going on. Out in California, it seemed to be spreading elsewhere. This was cash for clunkers one, not, not the whole Obama era cash for clunkers thing, but the previous cash for clunkers where, you know, companies instead of cleaning up their smokestacks, they just crunch, crush a bunch of old cars instead, and I got heavily involved in being an advocate for the hobby at that time, worked with a lot of different people on legislative issues, and uh, continued to work on my car hobby. Uh, still a legislative advocate for the car hobby, actually. Uh, yeah, we need work with a lot, of, a lot of different people like FEMA and others, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely need that. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just sad today that, you know, you go to a newsstand and there are still a lot of car magazines on the stand that you could get, and a lot of them are targeted. You know, one of them is just BMWs, one's just Porsche, one is just, you know, Corvette. So uh, there's still variety out there. There's a lot of junk, you know, a lot of car magazines. Okay, break, folks. Right back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? 
Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Since the 1960s. J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor you're listening to america's web radio on the america's broadcast network.com thank you for listening and now back to the classic car show on america's web radio with tom cox and richard lentinello So, yeah, I I always tended to go for the multi-make magazines. I I like the variety. I got really, I must have had ADD because I I would get really bored if I was just reading about one particular brand of cars, except for Hudson's, of course. But, you know, I really, I I like, you know, Cars and Parts, as you mentioned, Car Craft Magazine, I bought that. I bought Hot Rod, too. Uh, when I was in junior high, my, the back of my clipboard that I carried with all my books stacked on top of it uh, had um, all kinds of racing stickers and uh, stickers with funny cars on the back side of it. It's kind of interesting that I ended up being so heavy into uh factory correct restorations uh, because at the time I, w- I was really more heavily into NHRA stuff, that that type of thing. Um, yeah, so I've, I've read a lot of street ride magazines. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, when I used to get Hot Rod and stuff and uh, some of those other magazines, popular Hot Rod, and I used to go straight to the racing because I used to love super stock racing. You know, because yeah. they, relate. They, they, they were cars that were, you know, stock looking. But they had great graphics, and I don't know. Plus, growing up in New York City, always on the radio was National Speedway. Talk about funny cars on Sunday, and we had Southampton drag strip. And on the other side of uh, Staten Island, we even had uh, there was some racing in Islip, and uh, you know, 
there was just a lot of street racing going on back then too. So super stock racing was was my thing. I loved that growing up. And then of course the funny cars came. And then you know you you went to the local hobby store and you started buying models and AMT and Ravel and you know monogram and you start building your own you know super stock cars and funny cars models and yeah it, it was just all encompassing. And then in the late '60s we got into slot car racing. We had a bunch of slot cars and we used to solder our own brass chassis and the Mabuchi motors we would put in and then the slicks and. Yeah, and before you know it, you know, you, you have the real thing in, in your garage. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing how things evolve from when you're a kid to a grown-up. It's just so exciting. It really was. It was great. Great memories. Well, and we we weren't glued to the TV set with video games. And I think that's a big difference between now and then. And I, I'm not right. going to say, there. you know, I'm one of those people that continues to say that, you know, there are as many people, there are more people involved in the car hobby today than ever before. Um, so, right. you know, I'm I'm not a naysayer. But I think it would be great if, if kids today spent more time outside doing other things, getting involved. You know, there was a, there's a slight renaissance going on in the slot car uh, competition arena. Um, there are slot car places popping up across the country again you know they kind of came and went uh you're much older than i am and so by the time i got to the point where i could actually take the large scale slot cars and go you know race them against my buddies and that sort of thing it was already gone you know but uh, yeah it's a lot of fun yeah you know now i i go ahead I was just saying, and unlike you, growing up in the woods, where, where you know you had to get in your car and drive a hundred miles to get them, you know, our, our slot car track was three blocks away on Northern Avenue. You know, the hobby store was one block away on Avenue U. So it was like we were walking distance, hop on our Stingray bicycle. You know, we had our slot cars hanging from the sissy bar, and uh, we just, you know, we'll go play for a couple hours. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. But you know, a lot of people slot cars. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, another component to it, too, as I think about it, um, and, of course, it was right next to Lowe's, so I was really getting overload, um, uh, Lowe's Auto Repair. But uh, Western Auto Stores, our, our Western Auto Store in Virginia Beach down on on 17th Street that was owned, owned by the Riggs family, um it had everything in there. It was just like this giant toy store for me. It had all kinds of accessories to put on your bike, you know, lights, things to make sounds. And then there was automotive horn accessories where they had this display where there were like six different types of automotive horns, you know, fog horn, the bull horn, and all of those. And you could go in there and hit the buttons or pull the chain, and it would make all these weird noises and um accessories everywhere for cars uh, just really cool stuff and models and things of that nature too um, I was big into matchbox cars too matchbox and hot wheels particularly when hot wheels came out and they had the superchargers those battery operated oh. things you know that would shoot the car out the other end um, 
I had an Aurora uh, race set at the house that I kept adding to, and uh, had a great time with that. Of course, those little cars, they didn't last, the motors, they didn't last very long, but man, we had a, had a great time. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a play, but you know, we, we never had a Western Auto or Pep Boys or any of those uh, franchises in New York City, you know. None of those existed in New York City, those auto parts stores. It was either like Thou's Auto Lenny's. Parts. Lenny's. Alderman. Yeah, Lenny's, uh, you know, <laughs> Box, you know, Midnight Auto. We had all those kind of, you know, uh, individual type of auto parts stores. So uh, it was much different. But, yeah, the little Aurora cars, you know, uh, we used to trade those in school at lunchroom when the nuns weren't looking. And we used to stick them up our tie because they were so small. And the tie had an opening at the bottom. You could just stick them up there. And you, yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, Matchbox and the Matchbox cars uh, were made by Lesney out of uh, Britain. And they were more popular before Hot Wheels came along. Mattel really sort of stole the, stole the thunder because... You know, Hot Wheels would roll easy uh, a lot faster and go a lot further than the Matchbox cars were. But Matchbox cars in England, if you were going to school as a kid, you, you weren't allowed to take anything in your pockets that was larger than a Matchbox. Right. And that's how they came up with Matchbox cars. They made these little cars small enough so they could slip them in a box that was the size of a Matchbox so they could take them to school. Yep. And then came Johnny Lightning. Those are pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. I had a Johnny Lightning racetrack, too. Um, It it wasn't quite as easy to use as the Hot Wheels. Um, It wasn't automated. didn't have the supercharger. But I had, like, this big ramp where, you know, you hooked them on, and then you had this slide that you'd pull really, really hard to sort of eject the cars out onto the track. It was fun. Right. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, I... Magazines... I, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I was just saying, magazines, you know, I, I still subscribe. I, I get a lot of club magazines, um, whether it's... The Antique Automobile from AACA, which is by far, in my opinion, I know we're both jaded on that, but it's it's the finest, I think, in terms of uh, certainly multi-make uh, car club magazines. Antique Automobile is head and shoulders above the rest. Um, the White Triangle News, uh, when I was in and out, I'm in and out of the Studebaker Club, you know, Turning Wheels, that's a great magazine, too. Uh, and there's some some great stuff out there. But now in terms of off-the-shelf car magazines, um, you know, the European magazines are really some of the best. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. There's one that comes out of uh, Sweden. It's great. Uh, You know, I'm always shocked at how highly revered our cars are over there in Sweden. They love big American cars, especially of the 50s, the late 50s. They love every cars. Su- every summer in Sweden, they have the American Car Show. 25 yes. 
thousand cars. Twenty-five thousand American car show up. I mean, if we got a car show here with five hundred cars, we think that's great. They got twenty-five thousand American cars, mostly post-war Americans. But yeah, they are crazy to Swedes about American cars. And uh, yeah, they got great magazines. Unfortunately, I, I don't understand Swedish, so I don't buy them. <laughs> but I stick with the British magazines like Octane and Classic and Sports Car, Magneto. And also the automobile, which focuses on pre-war cars, which I absolutely love. In fact, I just ordered, I think, about 30 back issues of the automobile. They just came a few days ago. So I got a lot of catching up on reading to do. And that's one of my favorite magazines. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. You just got to hunt for it, search for it. And, uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. Sit back. Don't waste your time watching TV. And who cares about politics? Just Read about cars. It's more enjoyable. It's more relaxing. It doesn't get your blood pressure going while watching the news. So, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed doing too, going to swap meets. I buy a lot of magazines at swap meets, particularly magazines that I've never subscribed to, or period magazines from the '30s, the '40s, '50s, '60s. Um, yeah. Pick them up at swap meets. Sometimes, you know, they're practically giving them away. And in fact, I've had people give me magazines. Um, you know, I'll read them. I'll go through them. Some of them I might keep for for future reference. I have a, a huge magazine reference section in the basement that uh, my wife wish would go away. But um, you know, and then the ones that you uh, don't plan on keeping, you just pass them on to the next guy. Uh, Drive them to somebody else. I've been giving them to, you know, my friends' uh, children. That's you know, try to indoctrinate them. I'm giving them magazines, so um, you know, that's another source. But I'm going to say it like I always say it, and I know that you know those of you who have listened to us before probably think, "Oh yeah, here he goes." I'm telling everybody here, and I mean it with every ounce of my being. Crankshaft. For me, is the finest magazine of its kind in print today. There's no Thanks. competition. Thank you. I appreciate that. You need that. to buy it. You need to buy it. It's just that good. And when you think about it, with the current situation, with gasoline prices going up, you can buy a full year subscription to Crankshaft Magazine for what it costs you for one tank of gas. Right. The deal. Okay. Yeah. Such a bargain. Oh, you may. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Make great, it, it makes great gifts, too, because then when you give that gift, not like your friends look at the gift you gave them and go, oh, well, that's nice, huh? and they throw it in a drawer. They never see it again, never think about it until the next birthday or the next time they see you. You give them a subscription. Every time that magazine shows up, they're excited to get it, but they're thinking about you, too, you know? I'm just saying. <laughs> well, thank you. So, another thing that... <laughs> You know, we've been talking about, and this was particular, particularly salient uh, recently with not only some stuff that I've been working with, but some things that other people have been working on. And that is today's ethanol-laced fuel 
it creates Boy. no end of havoc. It's the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened uh, to us as car hobbyists, I think. I, I can't think of anything worse than ethanol-laced fuel. It's, it wreaks havoc with everything we do. It just destroys the rubber diaphragms and carburetors like, you know, the British Strombergs and things like that. It destroys so much. Got it. Yep. Oh, oops. Right back. Break time. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Yeah, we're back. So we were talking about ethanol-laced fuel. The biggest problem with ethanol in fuel is it's gasoline starts to go sour after about only three months. So if you stop to think about putting your hobby car up in the fall, by the time springtime comes, it's been sitting in there for more than three months. So your your fuel is already starting to break down considerably. The issue is ethanol is hygroscopic. So if there's moisture in your tank... It attaches itself, the water attaches itself to the ethanol molecules, and it creates some a heavier compound that separates out, causing something called phase separation. It separates out and ends up in the bottom of the tank. It starts to create rust, corrosion, on and on. And 
It also, over time, creates an additional byproduct called formic acid, which is just as the name implies, it's an acid. It starts eating things up. So you've got all of these things coming together to create a storm, if you will, in your fuel system where you've got corrosion, you've got rust going on, you've got breakdown of uh, rubber products, all of those things happening. And past a point, roughly at about two years, even if you use stabilizers, your fuels continue to lose their octane rating. So, you know, so the scenario is this. You put your car up, six months later, you go out, you go to start it up. Well, the pickup for your uh, in your fuel tank pulls off of the bottom of the tank. So the first thing that you're pulling up when you go to crank that car over is this sort of water ethanol mix. It'll burn, but it's low octane, it's full of trash and garbage, everything else. So it's going to start clogging things up. It's not going to burn well. It's bad for your engine. You'll have a lot of spark knot detonation, which is not good for the engine either. Um, and even once you start pulling fuel, regular gasoline, um, its octane has been diminished. It's just a bad situation. There's a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, stabilizers are out there, and Richard and I talked about this uh, earlier, too. Everybody knows about Stabil, and I, I'm not saying that Stabil's not a good product. It's certainly been around for a long time. It does work, but neither Richard and I have had very good long-term results with just Stabil. Now they have a new product out called, or a newer product out called Stabil Storage, which is intended to preserve the fuel for longer periods of time. Um, I've had really good luck with something called Startron Enzymatic Fuel Stabilizer. It's in a bottle. It's blue, but it's Startron, S-T-A-R-T-R-O-N. It's a little more expensive, but it works really, really well. I've had great luck with it. I know for a fact it's preserved fuel, kept it from going stale for well over a year in my applications. So I've I really like using it. I, I haven't always had the, as great a luck with with Stable um, as I have with, with the Startron. Another thing is to just avoid getting ethanol-laced fuel in your hobby vehicle, period. And there is a website you can go to, and you put your zip code in, and it will tell you where stations are in your area that you can buy non-ethanol-laced fuel, and it's called puregas.org, puregas.org. You might want to go check that out so that the next time you go fill up or top off. Something else to tell everybody, too, is when you put your car in for a long period of storage, top off the tank because the less air that's in the tank, there's less opportunity for moisture to be present. The less moisture there is, the less you'll have that moisture, ethanol combining together and creating the phase separation that creates all the nastiness and all the issues that you have uh, with 
formic acid and corrosion, et cetera, et cetera. So when you go to put your car into storage, you want to top it all the way off and not leave a lot of air pockets in the, in the fuel tank. It, that'll help. The other thing you can do is you can add a little bit of dry gas along with your fuel stabilizer. And if you don't have dry gas, you can actually add isopropyl alcohol, the stuff that you have, you know, to put clean cuts and so forth at home that you probably have under your uh, bathroom sink. You can add that at just slightly over an ounce. It's about, you know, uh, 12 ounces to 10 gallons. So you can actually use isopropyl alcohol for that. You can use it for a gas dry in the wintertime, too. If you have a little bit of water in the fuel and it's frozen, it could clog up your fuel lines, things of that nature. You just use a little isopropyl alcohol. Uh-huh. So. Good to know. I never knew that. In fact, yes. in a little while, going down the, I guess about a mile from me, maybe less, is a mobile gas station, and they sell ethanol-free gas, and I'm going to put some fresh, you know, gas in my Spitfire this afternoon. I'm going to start that up out of its winter hibernation. So, uh, yeah, it's good to know. All good stuff. Boy, you guys in Virginia um, are pretty small. A lot about gasoline, don't you? Wow, I'm, I'm very impressed. Really am. Well, you know, gasoline, I guess you could say, was sort of a distilled product, and uh, we're really high on distilled products up here in the mountains. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> really, really are. You guys are good. <laughs> the, uh, and spe- so we were speaking about Gettysburg earlier, uh, the uh, AACA um, Eastern Nationals that are going to be there. And not far, not a far drive from Gettysburg, if you come up for the free car show there at Gettysburg, you're going to be at all excited about the cars out there on the show field. It's going to get your motor running, ha, pun intended. And there's something else that's close by, relatively speaking. It's not very far from Gettysburg to drive over to the auto mall and the auto mall literally has hundreds of classic and antique cars special interest cars for sale it's a candy store so if you get an opportunity you're up there at gettysburg why don't you take a little time the day after the show or the day before the show drive over to the classic auto mall and check out what they have they're not going to charge you. They're not going to corner you. You get to wander about all the cars for sale and get some idea of what your budget might be for your next next antique car. A lot of fun. Yeah, when I was in Gettysburg a few years ago for the show, I went over to the Gettysburg Battlefield. And, uh, boy, that's an incredible historic site. I mean, that's one of those places that every American must go to and visit. It's absolutely amazing. You can stand on top of the hills, and there's all these marks that tell you what you're looking at and what's that, how many soldiers died, how many soldiers got wounded. And then all through the Gettysburg battlefield, there are these monuments for each state, and they tell you how many soldiers from each state died in the war. And, oh, it's just It's just a wonderful, wonderful place to visit. And, uh, again, we have going to have a great show. And, 
that is probably one of the best locations for a car show in this country. You got the two hotels. You're about a half a mile from downtown Gettysburg, which is filled with great restaurants and bars and breweries, all kinds of souvenir shops, and it's just a wonderful place. So uh, come on out. That's that's when. That's uh, May. Was it May 16th? May 18th. 18 through 20. May 18 through 20. Um, yeah, you and I went downtown uh, the last time we were there in Gettysburg for a, for a show and uh, had an adult beverage or two. It was a blast. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward. I, I was there in May of 19. There was the uh, Classic Car Club of America had their national meet along with Stutz and Marmon, all combined, three into one. And I spent the weekend there. Uh, checking out all the cars, and boy, that that was a wonderful time. So, uh, yeah, come on out. It's going to be so good. I'm not trying to cut you off, okay? We yeah. were, but you know, we were talking about Route 66 and how we would like to do Route 66. So we've got a couple moments left here. What what would you drive? What would you want to get behind the wheel of? to do Route 66? Well, it's it, it definitely a triumph because I would want to, you know, not end up going home on a flatbed. So I would keep my triumph at home. I would probably do it in either a, uh, my number one choice would be a mid-year Corvette convertible, small block, you know, uh, maybe a 65, 66 with the small block. Uh, I just not taking a lot of luggage with you. No, I think, you know, the mid-year Corvettes are absolutely stunning cars. And that would be my first choice. My second choice would be a Porsche 356 convertible. Uh, again, reliability, durability, fun to drive. Uh, yeah, it's got to be convertible to toward Route 66 to see all the, you know, whatever signage remains and all the historic sites. So that's what I would drive, my number one choice, you know, mid-year Corvette <sighs> convertible. What about you? Uh, I know, Hudson. No, 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 no. Actually, uh, you know, probably a probably a '66 Cadillac Eldorado convertible, because for me, that's the quintessential one of the quintessential road machines. It's just American as it gets, you know. Blowing down Route 66, 66 Caddy Eldorado convertible with the with the top down and uh, lots of room for luggage. I might even let you go along. You never know. Uh, All right, folks. Hey, folks. We're at the end. Yeah. Hey. We'll see you next time. Great weekend. Bye. Get off the couch. Get in the garage. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.